0: Hi there, I'm your host, Kieran Kurtatala. I have an exciting episode for you this time. We had a panel discussion at N Squared, our inaugural conference in February, 2022. And during this conference, we had a panel discussion with the greatest and smartest minds in higher education and human capital management. And we are bringing this panel discussion, a recorded version of this panel, panel discussion, just to be clear, as part of our new series called N Squared. Thank you for listening. This is our our first first panel panel for the day. We have Fred Emery here. And thank you, thank you. We needed that. I don't know if we can can follow Imat's act here on making it exciting, engaging, and uh, scary and sad at the same time. However, this is uh, our first panel meeting. We have a few people that are joining in remotely. So I'm going to go over. uh, The panels are fully loaded, and uh, we're heavily subscribed, if you will. And we have several panelists uh, on this. And on this panel, we have really, really exciting group of speakers, Um, starting with, obviously, Fred Emery from TouchNet. Fred, I'll let you introduce yourself.
1: Hi, I'm Fred Emery. I'm Senior Senior Business Business Development Manager with TouchNet. And if you're not familiar with TouchNet, TouchNet provides transaction solutions for colleges and universities, um, payment processing for tuition, marketplace, e-commerce, as well as credential transactions, payments permissions on campus for access control, dining, bookstore, vending, all those different types of
0: functions. Great, and we have uh, a few other remote panelists as well. I'm gonna, Joel, I'm gonna call them out and I'll let you cue them in. They're already logged in to our Zoom webinar. These are, again, this is our first hybrid conference and uh, if we run into any technical challenges, uh, just bear with us. But uh, Joel, um, we have Jason Black from Black River Innovation Campus. Jason?
2: Uh, Jason, you're still muted. My apologies. Thank you very much uh, for having me here. Uh, I wanted to just offer some quick information about myself. I've got one of those interesting higher ed backgrounds where I've been a teacher, I've been an administrator, and I've been a student. Um, and I've been in that space just to about the end of 2019. Uh, and then I relocated from Coastal Rhode Island to rural Vermont uh, to focus on more teaching, writing a book, and just generally getting to know my new environment. And the pandemic really changed all this. I found myself looking for a new opportunity to offer my experience in this new community. So I joined the Blackbird Innovation Campus as a program manager and immediately fell into a role to be passionate about. BRIC, as we like to call it, is to me the future of rural, as it is combining adaptive reuse of spaces with technical infrastructure to fuel ideas, people, businesses, and ultimately communities. Our co-work space, part entrepreneurial hub, part club, I like to see BRIC as a technological touch tank to inspire and support while developing all ages looking for the future. Uh, we have programs in digital skilling, offer special events, bringing innovative opportunities to the rural environment, and offering those that seek it a path forward to a career in tech. Today's topic is really important to me. It resonates. I'm looking forward to sharing and learning more from the panel. Thank you for having me.
0: Thanks, Thanks Jason. Jason. That was really good. Uh, Jason was supposed to be on site, and he ran into some last minute complications. But thank you so much. You're looking good in, the, in there, Jason. Thanks very much. Happy to be here. We also have some exciting guests who are also close friends. Uh, Lauren Harris, uh, you heard all about PageUp in the last 15 minutes. Uh, I'll let Lauren give her intro on her role with PageUp, and PageUp uh, will ask some questions as well. Lauren. Lauren. Thank
3: you so much, and good afternoon, everyone. Uh, and I think you had this queued up perfectly with Marcus speaking to everyone right before this panel started, uh, but I, I lead the higher ed sales team here at PageUp, and as Marcus went over in his in his little talk, uh, we really help colleges and universities to automate all of the processes around recruiting, onboarding, performance, and learning. And we're also starting to help our colleges and university partners with top of the funnel automation for your job seekers before they even hit apply and, and move into your ATS. So it's really exciting to be here today.
0: Thanks, Thanks Lauren. You, thank you for all you do as well. Uh, and I have a close friend, Jory Hatzell, uh, who wears many hats, but I'll let him introduce himself. Thank you so
4: much, Kieran. Yes, uh, many hats. Uh, I, uh, I am the uh, Vice Chancellor and Chief Technology Officer for the Foothill-De Anza Community College District. Uh, we're located right in the heart of Silicon Valley, one of the largest community college districts in California. And also uh, another hat I wear is as executive sponsor of the California Virtual Campus, which is a statewide program uh, grant from the state chancellor's office to uh, you know, provide online education infrastructure and services statewide. So pleasure to be here. And this topic is near and dear to our
0: heart, my heart and our hearts. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Jory. Thanks, Jory. Thanks, Jory. Thanks, Jory. It's always gonna be a pleasure. Um, Ryan Craig uh, was supposed to be here, but I think Uh, He got canceled um, in the last, not canceled. He canceled his, (laughs) he canceled uh, because of some travel issues. (laughs) But we have uh, Steve Lee from SkillUp Coalition. Um, SkillUp is a great coalition that is very relevant to what we're gonna talk about. Steve. Karen, thank Thank you very much. uh,
5: And it's a true honor to be on this this, this panel. So I'm Steve Lee, I'm the executive director of SkillUp. Very simply, we are a technology-driven upskilling platform that basically does four things. We market uh, to folks uh, about opportunities, those who are earning under dollars uh, without a college degree. We then help uh, job seekers navigate through a simple set of questions that identifies in-demand pathways that are most suitable to you as an individual. Third is then we connect to ecosystems that need diverse talent, whether they be training providers, colleges, employers, et cetera. And then we support by offering things like scholarship funds, coaching, and mentoring to de-risk, right, two of the bis- biggest risk, fa- risk factors for job seekers, which are honestly just cash and connections. That is basically what we do. I'm honored to be here. and looking forward to the conversation. Great.
0: Great. Great. Thanks, Steve. And I see our good friend Ryan Craig here uh, from Achievement Partners. Ryan, uh, thank you for joining us, and I would, uh, I'll let you introduce yourself.
6: Hey, great to be here. Good to meet all of you. Uh, so I run uh, the one of the largest investment firms uh, focused on the higher ed market and the intersection of education and employment. It's called the Chief Partners. I also uh, write a lot about uh, the future of higher ed and the future of education and employment. Um, I have a couple books. Uh, I have my biweekly newsletter is called The Gap Letter.
0: <laughs> great. great. Thanks, Ryan. Uh, and we also have a... Customer and a dear friend, Kalu Tawasli, from Saint Louis Community College. Uh,
7: good afternoon, everyone. Thank you for inviting us to this nice panel. Uh, my name is Kalu Tawasli. I'm the director of Enterprise Services and Operation at the college. The college is located in the heart of Saint Louis. Uh, we have we are a multi-campus uh, uh, organization institution. Uh, we are the home of the Cardinal baseball, which everybody probably know about it if they are a baseball fan. Uh, we have been a client of end to end and modo for a couple of, uh, since 20. Uh, actually, we implemented modo during the pandemic. It was fantastic. Uh, it was a good uh, implementation. We had a good partnership with, with both modo and end to end, and we continue to have that kind of partnership while we are built, implementing page up. So. We are excited about the integration and the new direction we're going. You know, integration is the, the path of, to the fu- future. Basically, the student expectation is uh, uh, it's very high. They they want the experience of from the institution, like the experience of Amazon and everything they go to. So, with this platform, Illuminate platform, we felt that this is going to give us the opportunity to serve the student and provide them with the real time integration. Thank you for having me.
0: Thanks, Khalud. Well, this is a loaded panel, as you can imagine. We have people that are like people like Pageup on this call, where, who are building a human capital management software, but also I, IT leaders like Jory Hatzel and Khalud leading universities, and just like other just like that, Tashner to other enterprises. The reason why we decided on naming this reinvesting in human capital is because of the current state of affairs with health. Uh, with HR, where you have a concept of great resignation, where people are quitting their jobs to spend more time with their families. There's also gig economy, where institute or people are leaving their jobs to ride an Uber or ride a box truck if, so that they can work 20 hours a week and make the same amount of payment, make the same amount of pay. So in this process of competing with gig economy, Silicon Valley, and great resignation, uh, we wanted to organize this panel to understand how each of your organizations are building the next generation human capital reengagement. Like, for example, Fred, what do, what do you do at TouchNet to ensure that your employees or your staff members can stay excited about working with TouchNet?
1: Well, from a corporate level, well, well first off, let me just start off by thanking you for having me and for putting on this great event. Uh, We're we're very happy to be here and congratulations on the success of this event so far. From a corporate standpoint, um, our organization is part of global payments, so we do need to follow certain um, items from a corporate level, but what it's allowed us to do um, overall as a company is provide flexibility. Um, As a company... For our team we sort of looked at what the issue at hand was um, and acknowledged that our team members wanted more flexibility um, a better work environment um, better work life and um, having more collaboration with their other team members so we did then go uh, as a company and offer our team members the ability to select whether they could be remote, whether they wanted to be hybrid, uh, and come into to work a couple of days a week. And we had sort of hoteling uh, applications within our, our organization, or whether they wanted to be um, within the office full-time. So we did offer our team those um, those abilities to to make that selection. Then within our products that dealing with our campuses and our clients, we also acknowledged the need in those locations. And from an approach, we said, who's who's really affected by um, the, the, the human capital management? And Initially the thought process is well. What do we need to do to help with the staffing because staff uses our product on campuses? but the other side is st- are, of course students and um, We then looked at how we can better enable our campuses to provide flexibility to their staff and students how they can help meet their better work life and um, How we can be a part of the solution part of that puzzle um, we feel that th- really investing in human capital management is a larger scale uh, puzzle that involves multiple partners. And we can't be the only one that is uh, obviously uh, solving it. We need to be a, a piece of that puzzle with our partners to solve the needs.
0: You're absolutely right. Uh, you said the right term. It's about piece of the puzzle, because 20 years ago, it was all about compensation. It's all about bonus or maybe some things like uh, health benefits or vision benefits. Now we are competing with things like Amazon Web Services. You know, Our friends are here where they're offering up a quarter million dollars starting salary to some of their people. And when you're competing with that, the quality of work is more important or just as important as the compensation. So there are two dimensions to it. I want to talk to, I want to see what Jory thinks about it because Jory is kind of sitting in the middle of Silicon Valley and uh, dealing with San Francisco organizations like the Facebooks and Amazons of the world and trying to keep his employees happy, excited, and uh, hopefully retained. So Jory, how do you wrestle with that demand and competition? Yeah,
4: it's difficult, um, you know, and and retaining, Versus attracting uh, two different challenges, but they have really s- some of the same core challenges at heart, right? Um, quality of life has become increasingly important uh, for our workers. So uh, similar to, to what was just talked about, you know the ability for to have flexibility. in particular, um, going to a hybrid or, or partially remote workforce is important because of just, frankly, you know, as a publicly funded uh, institution, we can't compete on in terms of pay, so we have to compete in terms of uh, you know connecting folks to the meaning, you know what it means to help students, what it means to be uh, connected to our organizational mission. Um, but you know with the, the cost of uh, real estate rent uh, in Silicon Valley and the Bay Area in general, uh, we we have staff who previously, prior to the pandemic, would commute two hours each way uh, to work. So. Um, it's a challenge um definitely looking at any type of uh, benefit in terms of remote work and also shifting the culture i think is important so you know now folks don't you know if they're working remotely it's okay to have a you know a pet come on to a zoom call uh you know our organization doesn't frown upon some of that lack of formality that we probably would have had before um and so those are some of the ways we're, we're dealing with it but every time someone leaves the organization, there's a ripple effect. And so we're we're also really trying to focus on, uh, you know, planning for, uh, as you mentioned, the great resignation, you know, succession planning and the creation of opportunity and upward mobility for folks uh,
0: is another way we can give them meaning. Great. great. Thanks, Thanks. Jory. Again, you're absolutely correct. Focusing on the employee quality of life and welcoming the pets and <laughs> kids and toddlers banging on tables, uh, Subhash, I'm looking at you, <laughs> when the conference two meeting is going on, is something, part of it. If anything, we welcome welcome that as part of the new reality. Um, and I know, PageA you're specialized in HCM. I would like to hear your perspective, Lauren, on a couple of things. One is, is the technology the answer a piece of the answer. Can you talk to us a little bit about PageUp in, in general on helping with reinvesting in human capital and also your efforts to help organizations reach their uh, reach their potential?
3: Uh, absolutely, Kieran. thank you. Uh, we are seeing the importance of software automation, and the adoption of new software, especially as teams are working remotely or even hybrid, um, pulling everybody together uh, through, through different platforms, through Zoom meetings like this, uh, through project planning software, and in terms of recruiting, uh, being able to recruit remotely and also onboard your new employees uh, through a remote portal, while also giving them that feeling of connectedness, letting them un- understand what your culture is on campus, uh, but facilitating all of this through uh, a software.
0: Great, uh-huh. and thank you so much because I know we are also working together with our joint partner, Kalut, and I'll, I'll let her add more detail. But before I switch to her, I want to talk, talk about it from a different dimension. While each of you are dealing with retaining employees and keeping employees happy and also providing software, uh, I love Skill of Foundation, Skill, Skill of Coalition, sorry Steve, Um, because you guys are focusing on the other side of the challenge. While we are excited about the fact that there's only 6% unemployment, 6% of 300 million people is still a lot of people, 18 million people. So SkillUp is doing this amazing work of, okay, I'm not going to bore the details, but I would love to hear Steve's take on A, how they're focusing on this unemployed youth and helping them truly skill up.
5: Thanks, And I would say it's, it's not just about unemployed. It's the underemployed, right? So you add a couple of zeros to that number, right? Or at least some, some summons thereof. It's a pretty big population. So we are focused on the worker, right? And they're a journey to upscaling. And so when I think about workers, I think there are three tiers. One is on the high end, right? We don't worry about those folks. In fact, those folks are doing better than they were before they are on that us. Then there's the low end. Now, the low end is really interesting, right? Because there are, there are jobs out there, but the shift has happened, right? So because of gig and because of delivery service, things around like warehouse jobs, driver's jobs have become more uh, pertinent. But those have not replaced the jobs that have been lost in the retail sector of the hospitality sector, et cetera. So these low-wage folks are also looking for opportunities. <laughs> but probably more important is how their behaviors have changed. So I think we've touched upon this. The behaviors of workers have changed. So even on, the, on the, the, what I call low-wage workers, um, they are looking for things that they never looked for before. They're looking for living wages, right? They're looking for flexibility. They're looking for job quality at large. And that's something employers have to wrestle with and be able to offer those things. It's the reason why you see um, unionization efforts at Starbucks and Amazon, like you see these things happening up because of the behavior sets of workers and then probably most important is like the middle tier right like sort of middle-class folks and these are the folks that have been struggling even before the pandemic right because of automation that kind of stuff but in many ways they're like stuck in the middle right they're overqualified for low age jobs they're underqualified for the high-end jobs so what do they do right so i think this is where skiller comes over right and others in the universe that provide opportunities for folks to be able to skill up, all right, into a better uh, position. Uh, because in many ways, we are sort of stuck in that middle. I think that's a really important piece that, that, that we're wrestling with, and I think other, other folks are wrestling with. Uh, and it's why you see the proliferation of some of these platforms, right, to be able to upskill folks into something uh, something better. Uh, so I'll just say, like, worker focus is really important for us, and there's a lot of nuance uh, in, 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 in how people think about work.
0: Thank you. Thank you, again. Um, if you haven't figured out what Skill Up Coalition is, you should definitely check out their website. Uh, they do some amazing work. Uh, they started in New York. Uh, he was on one of my podcasts as well. Um, and speaking of podcasts, um, Jason Black is one of my podcast guests as well. Uh, he, uh, he has two roles. Uh, one was with Black River Innovation Campus and also with Northeastern. We'll talk about Northeastern uh, experience later. But Jason, talk to us about how Black River Innovation Campus is, A, helping solve the problem, and also internally trying to address this issue of human capital management.
2: Thank you. Yeah, I want to touch on one quick thing that that Steve mentioned is going back to this idea of who are your audiences? Who are your people you need to try to serve? Who you are trying to bring up uh, in these environments? As I've learned, moving from a coastal state now to a rural state, is a very wide dynamic in the types of needs <laughs> that uh, people here are really looking for. I think in particular, we're hitting that group that Steve referred to as the underemployed, where those fact- individuals who may have had a particular career path that was happening prior to the pandemic, and now is you know, facing the uncertainty of what happens next. There are some of, sometimes the flexibility that we thought was desirable for someone like me who had four jobs for 20 years, just consistently working, now you're starting to get to the point where it's like, well, you're kind of having forced flexibility because there's not that next opportunity to walk right into because of environment, because of a lot of other variables. So what we're trying to do, so I should mention, BRIC as an organization, we're a nonprofit. So we exist, and what sort of attracted me, in a particular role that I have here is it allowed me to develop programs to serve a population that doesn't have to have an expectation where we have to have a revenue stream to support what we're trying to accomplish. So when we develop a program in digital skilling, we're looking at two factors. We're looking at what the workforce in the area we're working in in central Vermont needs. We're looking at where the employers and what their needs are, and along with the type of industry that exists here, um, coming from a transition where there was a high manufacturing to now being uh, this concept of of these towns kind of need to be rebuilt, uh, literally around some of these original buildings and such. So. When we work with folks, it's, it's part coaching, it's part trying to build some resiliency in them. It's trying to you know, develop a larger Rolodex of individuals and organizations. So we really kind of exist in this super connector world where our goal is to meet people, point them in the right direction. Maybe it's a skill up, maybe it's a different type of group that's out there. Um, but what we use our expertise in and our our, limit, our, our so- local staff is to identify, okay, what is the best thing for this individual? So really kind of getting into the the nitty-gritty of who a person is and what their goals and expectations are and trying to match them to the right opportunities. Um, There's a lot of different ways that we do this, but I think the overall large large thing is that we know we need to be sort of a career accelerator as much as we are interested in entrepreneurship and other areas of acceleration. A career accelerator is at the individual level, and that's what we're trying to really promote and transform this rural economy into something that can support the type of digital economy that we see in other parts of the country.
0: Great, Great. I think you're right. Uh, connecting them with um, opportunities and making sure that they're, that they're queued up to do that is correct. And uh, this brings us to you know, what St. Louis Community College is doing. Kalud, you, you are leading an IT organization in the middle of a metropolitan like St. Louis. What are some of the challenges you face with retention uh, in this global economy? Because one can argue that, well, Silicon Valley is one domain, but in this new model where there's a concept of a commuter train between Austin and San Francisco, which means that people are working in Austin uh, for companies in San Francisco, that is no longer a challenge anymore. People can work from wherever. So are you seeing those trends in St. Louis with respect to employee recruitment and retention, and also just adapting to this?
7: Yeah, I mean, uh, like every other institution and every company, uh, we are facing a lot of attrition and we are constantly recruiting new talent because even technology is changing and we're looking for different talents. The college for years have expected people to be on campus doing their job uh, Covid have really proved that you can work from anywhere. So we now to keep uh, our staff, you know, to, to have retention, especially on the IT department. And uh, we have start giving a flex schedule to allow them to kind of show, give them quality of life. And we're trying to look for the better way to onboard uh, any new talent that we bring in, so we can keep them. Because if you have a revolving door that people comes in and out quickly, you're, you're really not uh, gaining any um, time on investing but in the newcomer unless you make them happy. So, so their first experience is when they come in and apply and to keep them, onboard them, and this is a very first impression. So we're investing in the in new talent management system where we can do this whole onboarding cycle to make it more uh, seamless from the application to uh, employment. So, and then set them up for success, basically for success. And combining the hybrid with the the first impression, we're hoping to keep more talent. Uh, Obviously we don't pay like what other private industry pay, but again, focusing on the quality of life, better experience and give them some opportunity to move up. I mean, we're trying to allow even our staff to be a mentor and to train uh, their the juniors have to feel like they are empowered to be move up at some point when the, there is a vacancy at, to happen at some point so yeah uh, human capital is really a challenge at our at, at every colleges i think uh, basically because of the compensation but we we'll try to mitigate it with other
0: uh, secrets great you're right i mean empowering is a key word Speaking of which, uh, Ryan uh, has a unique perspective here. Ryan is a lifelong investor. At least, he has been an investor all the time. Uh, all the time, I knew him for the last 10, 12 years. Uh, he has led several investment banks. Uh, I like. I would like to hear Ryan's perspective because he is not only looking at organizations and uh, entrepreneurship opportunities from a investor perspective, but also he's looking at the greatest innovations with respect to human capital management, whether it's on retention, employee benefits um, and, and the like. So Ryan, what are you seeing with respect to achievement partners by itself, but also just the industry in general on the latest trends and with respect to gig economy and human capital management?
6: Sure, I mean that's a, a huge topic, but I'll focus on two trends in particular. We're, we're, we're focused on the intersection between the world of uh, education and the labor market. Uh, and we see uh, a huge disconnect between what, what our education system is producing and what employers are, are seeking. And that's exemplified in the fact that we've got over 10 million unfilled jobs uh, and we have, you know, still almost half of all students graduating into underemployment so big big disconnect in terms of what's what's going on uh, we see uh, in terms of the sort of at the career launch stage the uh, the gap uh, between uh, post-secondary education uh, and employment the emergence of new intermediaries uh, that are going to bridge that uh, gap uh, we are actively building what we call higher Train Deploy models uh, where we're buying business services companies that are strategically located uh, in sectors like software development, data science, cybersecurity, Salesforce, healthcare, IT, and adding, our term is last mile training, you might have heard that term, uh, to uh, to those businesses. So in addition to doing what they've done in the past, they now also provide purpose-trained entry-level uh, talent uh, to their clients. Uh, so the client's uh, are able to try that talent before they have to make a hiring decision. Uh, effectively, it's an apprenticeship uh, model, and our goal is to scale apprenticeship uh, beyond uh, the building and construction trades uh, into uh, tech and healthcare and other growing sectors of the economy.
0: Great. I um, well, I think this is, a, this is a great mix of understanding different perspectives on reinvesting in human capital. And the way we structured the panels is we have one in you know, introductions and framing questions, now we'll just have an open Q&A. Uh, we can probably, I'm not gonna tee it up for any specific person, but I'm just gonna obviously give an opportunity to the guests in, in here uh, first so that we can, and then uh, if you guys wanna speak, if you can raise your hand up or Joel, you can uh, queue them up next, that'll be great. So there's a couple of parts of the reinvesting in human capital that are relevant. And we all talked about obviously onboarding, training, and work from home versus work from the office. You know, I'm gonna take a contrarian position here on that as much as it we feel like work from home is a benefit, I feel like it's kind of half half benefit because employees, while they get some benefit on not having to commute, not have to dress up, they still have to deal with the fact that they're inside a home. They might have to deal with, like uh, Jory said, a pet issue or a kid issue that they don't have to deal with when they're at work. So I feel like there is some emotional balance that employees have to juggle when they're working from home. I'm not saying that there are no emotional issues when they go to work, uh, but how do we balance that out to say, how do we support an employee who's having emotional issues working from home uh, and help them to move to work from office or vice versa. So the question is, we were pushed into this new work-from-home model as a result of COVID. Is it still a benefit? That's the number question, Number one question. Is it beneficial to the employees still? Is it beneficial for the company still? I'll let Tushar take a stab at it.
1: Well, from a personal standpoint, I have been a remote worker since before the pandemic. So I'm personally used to it, but I was on the road probably 75, 80% of the time before COVID, um, visiting clients and going into our corporate office. So I had a lot of human interaction. I do feel that I miss that human interaction. I know my colleagues do as well. We try to do some team building ongoing i think that's very important for for companies uh to do but i do think that um like we'll have like happy hours and and coffee meetings just to socialize so that we are are together and feeling that connection i think people do miss that collaboration Um, we've seen a large number of our people do want to go back into the office so i do think we'll see that um happening more and we'll and students want to be on campus as well. I think it's more starts coming into then what's that experience when you're in the office, how can we make the life better through technology and um, uh, with programs to, to encourage people to have that, that positive experience uh, within the office.
0: Anybody else want to take whether work from home really is a good thing for an organization or an employee? Again, I'm just throwing a devil's advocate question here.
2: Jason had raised his hand. Man, man, man,
0: man, man. Okay, Jason, Jason has raised his hand.
2: This is one of those areas where it's a it kind of question for what we're doing here in, in uh, Springfield, Vermont. We're actually in a you know 1905 old school house that's solely in the process of being converted into a, a innovative co-work space. Now, when I first had this idea, concept of coming into this role here, I wasn't completely uh, 100% in on the be as present as possible, be in the same space. I got all those things. I mean, I worked at my last position, I was there at the last institution for 19 years, so it was almost like a second home for me going into work. But coming into a co-work space that's, and these existed courses are all around the country. Some of them are in extravagant, you know, amazing looking buildings with all different kinds of privacy spaces. But because we're a schoolhouse, it's an interesting kind of co-work space because we're really in classrooms and we're constantly around each other whether we're working in the same organization or, or other people working here for their organizations. So I've just found that the whole experience has been transformative for me. Completely changed my perspective on how I work now, because even though I'm not with the day-to-day coworkers that I, of certain organizations I work with, I'm with other coworkers, and we share a lot of, of, of community around that experience. And I think that um, the reason why I wanted to raise my hand about this is that there is going to be this, this go forward moment now that we're gonna be passing that says, okay, well, there's gonna be a lot of expectation going back to a building, going back to your campus, going back to your original desk that you had before the pandemic. But what we found, I think experientially is that people have really thrived in this environment once they were taken out of that traditional environment. And and I think it'd be difficult difficult in certain cases to to jump jump right back back into that that space. I guess I want to continue, continuously, as a community, look at this as a creative solution for the right people, for the right types of environments, and making sure that, as employers, and the ones that we advise and we guide, see that as an opportunity to say, these are the folks who you can still kind of take advantage of and still use to the best of their abilities, but meeting them where they are, much like we do with learners. So I just want to throw it in there.
0: Excellent. Thanks, Jason. You're absolutely right. Meeting them where they are is the right attitude, but, you know, when you have 100,000 employees or 3,000 employees, it's harder to have their personal attention. Um, I'm not sure if there's anybody else who want to chime in, but I'll ask an uh, interesting... We, again, all these questions are something that we wrestle with at N2N. Fortunately, we are very small. like We have th- less than 30 employees, so we can be a lot more creative. Uh, so one of the interesting things that we have done with N2N uh, to or a lack of a better word, incentivize our employees to come work for the office. Um, we opened our offices in March, uh, May, and uh, we started offering what's called a daily lunch program where each employee can decide, uh, it's not just bringing in pizza every day or subs every day, each employee can, uh, each week, each day, uh, we emp- one of the employees picks which restaurant they want the food ordered from, they collect the orders, and submit it through DoorDash or Uber Eats, or and the order. Sometimes it's Indian, sometimes it's Chinese, sometimes it's uh, Italian. Whatever it is, but they're making a choice and they're they're bringing it in. So we kind of started off, started off thinking that it's going to be a fun thing for a month, but uh, you know it's been like eight months, and we're still continuing the program. So the uh, the question is, and we'll let all the um, all the attendees panelists answer this: Is there anything interesting that each of your um, companies have done? to incentivize in a non-compensatory, non-traditional benefits manner to make your employees feel excited or engaged. Uh, Fred, you want to start?
1: Sure. Um, We actually recently did a a relaunch of our employee recognition program, which was uh, well-received that... In the past it was for certain criteria, but it's a a lot more open now, dealing with the values of the company, and allows our employees to recognize and recommend other employees, so it didn't come from necessarily a management position, but a a colleague position, and that was widely received. We also um, had established a more social committee to consistently um, book programs for our our team members. Um, And then the third thing that was really well received is we got a keg. I'm just going to be straight honest, uh, there's a keg in the office now, so that always (laughs) works.
0: Well, keg always works, right? Yeah. <laughs> you can be in a fraternity or sorority, or obviously an organization. You're right. Um, let's start with the, uh, you know, the the remote panelists and uh, tell us about the funniest or uh, or yeah, most interesting thing that you have done to engage better with your employees, whether it's with your work from home or work from the office. I'll let uh, I'll start with Khalid and uh, go counterclockwise, I guess. Khalid.
7: Yeah, I mean, uh, the work from ho- uh, home—it's not 100 percent—is not really something that, that we are striving for. We will continue to do flex. In, uh, at the end of every project, we usually, we usually have, have a celebration, celebration. with cake for everybody to come together and celebrate the project. During the pandemic, um, we got—we we did the celebration. It was all virtual, so we had a virtual cake, and the reception was from the employee. Was they preferred it to be on site, so? I think the employee prefer have it in a hybrid more kind of thing because, you know, uh, working 100% uh, is you lose that you lose that team uh, team camaraderie, especially in project. There are times where FaceTime face time is really is very essential to the success to the project and that team building. So um, we are doing back to, to work and we're doing some lunch, you know, gathering together at lunch once uh, once a week, uh, whenever possible. Uh, we're back to office like three days a week now, not full 100%. So they, they are seeing each other and they appreciate it and they're asking to make sure when someone's in, the other person in and kind of uh, rotate who are in, not everybody keep the, like a rigid schedule. So they get the opportunity to see others that have not seen for a long time. Uh, uh, we also have invited everybody at one time. When we had two retiree who left, we invited everybody to come in in person and have a cake and so forth. And they all kind of welcome, even though everybody was masked up. But they have appreciated coming in to celebrate the you know, the, all the the success that these two retiree have happened. So um, we're doing a little bit here and there, but I think eventually we'll continue to do, you know, hybrid. But we're
0: gonna to have to keep um, the face time at some point. Thanks, Thanks Kalu. I'm, uh, I'm, remi- I'm being reminded by my time minders that I have five more minutes left, so Ryan, uh, I'll let you go f- next. Um, both, whether it's whatever something interesting you're doing at Achievement Partners or any of your organizations that are doing um, outside of a of course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
6: look, I mean, the, um, uh, the, the, the big trends, um, within the enterprise uh, is uh, upskilling and uh, pathways. Um, So that starts with, um, the easiest way to do that is just to provide free off-the-shelf online college degrees uh, to employees. And you have uh, dozens of large employers of frontline workers who are doing that. But ultimately, that's going to have to move to, you know, there have been critics, including me, who've said that those programs probably benefit the employers more than the employees because, they're being used as a retention um, uh, tool to keep employees in frontline jobs. Uh, And the real question is, is it providing additional value to the employee in terms of human capital development, in terms of career advancement and so forth. And uh, what's likely gonna need to happen is a significant customization of those um, off the shelf online degree programs to pathways that are specific to going from point A as a frontline worker at Amazon, to point B, which is a much better job at Amazon. Those individualized pathways don't exist yet, but uh, it's a huge opportunity, and there are whole different groups of uh, actors in the
0: education and training market who are running after it. Thanks, Thanks Ryan. Ryan. And you're right, upskilling is absolutely critical. Um, we also, one, one thing we are also trying to do more within end 2 is also doing cross-training where um, we have a DevOps team getting into product and vice versa. Um, you know, sk- Speaking of skilling, um, I know SkillUp does a lot of training. Um, can you talk to us a little bit about what are some of the techniques that you're recommending to your uh, member organizations or your employees? First of all, I, I, I echo what Ryan says.
5: Uh, it's a huge issue in the space. So listen, we are a small startup. With 15 staff. So there's only so much we can do. There are two things that we do do just internally. One is just during meetings, we have what's called a shout outs or my bads, right? We just shout out things that other staff have done that are really, really good. But also, you acknowledge sometimes the my bads. And that that brings a level of transparency that I think staff appreciate and has kept, has kept people engaged. And then there's actually, this is very small, but there's actually an app called Hey Taco, uh, which gets integrated into our Slack. Or you can send a taco to someone to um, to shout out to some of the things that he or she has done. And if you accumulate X number of tacos, you get a prize. And shockingly, it's been such a huge win for us because people just taco each other all the time. And so I love it. Uh, and just a very small sp- We spend like $5 a month doing it. And I think it's awesome as a very uh, simple tool. That's great. That's,
0: great. That's, That's, great. Great. That's, That's very, very interesting. Lauren, um, I know you're also in the... You're, I know that you're in the HCM business, so you probably have some interesting ideas on how you're implementing uh, some employee excitement, <laughs> training, or opportunities within PageUp, and also also your member organizations. I would love to hear your thoughts on that.
3: Sure. One thing um, at PageUp, we are we have always been largely remote. Uh, we did have a, a small office in New York City that was dismantled after the, the pandemic hit and we have not um leased a new office space so all of those employees that were used to seeing people every single day um it was it was a big turn for them to to go completely remote and we are still that way so we do rely a lot on uh, social committees slack channels Uh, and one thing that we're doing actually tomorrow morning is it's a it's called an escape room so it's through a third party provider uh, but they split the team into four or five different groups and we all have to escape from the room that we are in. And this is our second round of doing this. It's been really, really popular and it's just really great team building and something a little bit different
0: to do. I don't um, know about that. Every time I go into an escape room, I get trapped. <laughs> so Jory, uh, uh, talk, talk to me about uh, what you're, I know you're leading two organizations, both with California Virtual Campus and Fotodianza. Uh where, are, where do you see some of the exciting things you're doing uh, that we can all learn from?
4: well i think i want to start giving tacos out for one that's pretty exciting i love that idea Um, one thing for folks who work at our campuses that it's, it's not that exciting you know but it's a real huge benefit is you know with flexibility time flexibility and for us traffic is a huge issue uh so you know folks can leave the office early enough to miss some traffic get get to home and work for a few more hours that's a huge benefit for them so that's something that. You know, we're trying to enable wherever we can um, and then also just recognizing that you know we are an educational institution so um, we do have some folks who come in with technical talent and skills but who maybe also um, have some interest in doing some adjunct teaching for us or helping out in other parts of the institution or even connecting folks up with consulting work at times uh, particularly if they're um, you know, sort of earlier in their career, have a young family, those types of things to get them some more opportunities. So, um, definitely investing in that professional development is is huge for us.
0: I agree. Professional development is the key uh, for employee growth. Uh, one thing we have also seen is to um, like spice things around uh, at end to end. We, you know, I, I can I'll talk a little bit about keynote in my keynote where. We're asking people that they have never done anything before, like Arjun, uh, who's a programmer, has now figured out. He has. He used to sing before, but bringing those internal, internal talent uh, is also makes them more passionate and excited. Uh, Jason, I know we are running out of time, but I want to hear your thoughts on what you're seeing from trends perspective, both from Northeastern and Black River Campus, Black River Innovation Campus.
2: Thank you. I'm gonna be really quick, cause I think everyone said some really great things, and some of the, the terms that kind of resonated with me was employee-to-employer communication being critical, how you communicate, whether you're using tools like Slack, whether you're using uh, virtual meetings. Uh, That again, going back to my comment earlier about it's okay to be in multiple places and and work to the workers, uh, particular flexibility in their particular areas. The other thing I think is really important is this idea of, of employers showing investment into their employees. I love the idea of encouraging professional development, especially through the pandemic, and also pushing them towards potentially degree-based opportunities down the road, also that they can show that, that we value each person each individually for the skills that they're bringing into the organization. I think that needs to really be continued and be, be celebrated as much as oh, the cakes and the tacos, all those great things. I think it's working with Skill Up, working with all these different groups that show your employees that you have invested in them and you want to see them try new things, feel like they can be at a job, 19 years, or be a job for five years or 10 years, whatever that, that term might be best for that individual. So I'm really encouraged by what everyone shared here. And I, um, I think this is a, a good representation of what's really to come as we move away from this pandemic, hopefully.
0: Great, great, over. great. Thank you, Jason. I really appreciate it. I don't know about you guys. I am disoriented just by trying to pay attention to this person and the big screens. But kudos. Like we, we pulled off our first hybrid panel of the day. Um, I promise. Thank you. I take all the credit. <laughs> <laughs> but I promise you that the rest of the panels are more on-premise, on-site uh, panelists and less um, Zoom. No offense to the Zoom speakers. Uh, but uh, thank you so much for joining. Thank you so much for sharing your vision and ideas. And uh, I have become a better person by listening to all the cool things you're all doing. Again, thank you so much for join, joining this uh, panel. <laughs> Thanks, everyone. Thank you.
5: Thanks,
0: Thanks for having us. Be nice well,
5: everyone. Well. Take Thank care, guys. You.